Welcome to North Shore News Week. Hello, hello, North Shore, and thank you for tuning in to North Shore News Week, another episode where we break down the stories we covered from the past week at North Shore or the record NorthShore.org. And you're here with the uh, the founders of. Um, that nonprofit newsroom, um, Megan Bernard, our managing editor, and Martin Carlino, our senior editor, and myself, Joe Coughlin. Welcome and thank you for listening. Um, we break down the week that was with uh, in a three-segment segment format. We start with a lead story, then we go up and down the shore where we touch on every community, um, starting with Glencoe and moving to Wilmette. And then um, we give you our featured feature of the week, which is a fan favorite. So make sure to stay tuned for all that. And then we'll wrap things up for you and send you on your way in this quick and easy format we hope you enjoy. So first off, our lead story of the week for the past few weeks, it has been the, uh, the continued regression of COVID-19 in the state of Illinois. Um, probably three straight weeks we've done this because for three straight weeks there have been updates and the latest update is uh, the region which includes all of suburban Cook County um, so that includes Nutria Township has moved into phase four um, which was one of the original phases in um, the state's mitigation plan one of the uh, initial um, revitalization stages that the that the government set up before they set up the tiers that we've been in for for months and months. So phase four puts us back on track. Um, we had to get there with a low positivity rate, under 6.5% for multiple days. Um, hospitalization decreases um, for seven out of 10 days, but we've had them in the region for um, since November now. So I think 140 straight days of decreased hospitalizations. It's been a great run there. And um, the, C the ICU bed capacity staying above 20%. Um, and I think ours has reached a, um, a high for the year um, of about 25, 27%. So um, continued sustained um, progress there as well. Um, so that regression is being felt um, across the state and across the nation, really, which is great sign um, as we keep holding strong with our safety measures um, and um, things keep popping up. Uh, the vaccine light at the end of the tunnel, you know, your village and um, your local leaders are working hard to, to try to get you that vaccine with a shortage in the Cook County, but um, everything's looking good on that front. So what does phase four mean? Phase four means first and foremost um, that higher risk sports are back. That's kind of the most, the biggest headline right now. Um, so basketball is starting play um, as well as football can start play when their season starts in March. Hockey can start play and wrestling. Those are kind of the four higher risk sports. Wrestling's not till um, I think late April when it begins, but big one is basketball. And that is starting um, Friday night at Loyola and Saturday at Wilmette, I'm sorry, at Nutrier. Um, we're gonna start some basketball. So check in with all your favorite hoops teams to check that out. Other things that it means for the business side, um, it means uh, more capacity for retail, and salon services, we're talking upwards of 50% now. It depends on what businesses want to do there. But um, in some cases, they can get up to 50% capacity. Um, indoor dining stays about the same. Um, you can do upwards of 10 people per table. But I'm hearing that suburban Cook County doesn't want to do that. Similar to what Chicago's done, it's kept it at six per table. And still only 25% capacity. So no real change in indoor dining here. Um, but the retail sector and the personal care and services sector can increase some capacity. Fitnesses, fitness centers and gyms, that's another big one, especially um, for residents 
um, the Kinkus capacity. Just make sure to check in with your local businesses. So um, a lot of opening up here, um, a lot of light at the end of the tunnel um, as we uh, we charge towards a vaccine. So a lot of good things and a lot of things that just uh, make me get out of breath as I discuss them. So thank you guys for sticking with me through that. But that is our lead story again as we kind of keep you up to date on all the COVID coverage. Um, you can check out our full story. We have the move to phase four um, on, our, on our page right now. Just keep in mind um, that all that coverage of COVID-19, personal safety, we consider that public service journalism that we do for you as a nonprofit. Uh, we work for the community in that capacity. So um, it's all free to read. So check it out. That is our lead story. And now we're going to move up and down the shore and I'm going to get uh, my, my colleagues here involved here. Um, and we start with Glencoe where um, we had a snowstorm, believe it or not. Um, I'm sure you guys realize one of the biggest um, in a while um, in the past five years, I think I read. Um, and uh, we talked with the village of Glencoe um, about the, their kind of capacity and what they, what they covered over this time. And Glencoe recorded about about 12 inches, 12 plus they're saying, um, and it cost continuous man hours for 26 hours starting at 5 p.m. Saturday and um, ending Sunday evening. Um, and then uh, 600 man hours and 250 tons of salt. Um, what we always say at the community news levels, if you don't do a salt story, you're not really doing your job. So hope you guys appreciate that little tidbit about uh, 250 tons of salt were dropped. Village of Vermont, similar between nine and 13 inches in one of its updates, it told us. So a um, lot of action on the snow side, uh, but mostly it was all cleared by Sunday night. Um, but now I'm hearing, guys, the good news is we're bracing for really cold weather this weekend. You guys hear this? <laughs> and another snowstorm, I think. Oh. Uh, later this week. So just adding to what we already have. It definitely seems like our coverage area got hit probably the hardest um, in the area around. I know by where I'm at, we've got, we got close to a foot, but we didn't, uh, we didn't get, we didn't reach that 13 inch number that, that you had mentioned earlier. So hopefully we get a little break, but it doesn't sound like we're, we're not, we're going to, we're not going to get too much of one here with uh below zero temperatures and more snow as Megan mentioned on the way. Yeah. How many, how many days until spring? <laughs> uh, six weeks, according to Puxatawney Phil. So Phil. Um, <laughs> Doing I, I what's the, what's the, um, what's his name in Woodstock? They've got a different one. I forgot his name, but uh, in Woodstock, Illinois does a nice festival as well, but uh, cold weather this weekend, freezing. Um, I heard a high of three on Sunday. Um, so please prepare for that and probably don't leave your house and maybe just watch the Super Bowl. Yeah, there's you know. some kind of game going on. So stay inside. Some <laughs> big game is definitely going on. But that's his uh, that's Glencoe. And that's who we talked to about the snowfall. Um, we're going to skip down to Winneka, where uh, some big news, a controversial um, um, historic home was kind of slated to be uh, torn down. But now things have changed. Yeah, we covered the Landmark Preservation Commission on Monday evening, and the big agenda item that was supposed to happen at that meeting was the commission's consideration of a demolition permit for 740 Ardley Road in Winneka. And right as the meeting got rolling, we got word that that permit for demolition had been withdrawn from the owners. So the contention around this property really started in late 2020 when it was sold and new owners came in. Um, there were some some allegations from nearby neighbors and some of the parties involved in the sale that when the property was sold, the price was lessened a little bit because the owners had signaled they wanted to 
potentially preserve the property and not pursue demolition. But a couple months after the sale had gone through, they submitted a demolition permit to the village of Winneka, and it caught the ire of neighbors, community members, and even elected officials over several, several meetings. It was originally slated to be heard January 1st by the Landmark Preservation Commission, but because of uh, a request from the applicant themselves, it was pushed to this February 1st meeting. And as I had alluded to earlier, they, we learned at this meeting on Monday that the demolition permit has been withdrawn. So right now it seems that the property is gonna remain intact and it is saved from a wrecking ball. There's some rumblings going on that um, there's a sale of the property taking place, nothing confirmed yet, but just some rumblings around the community that it might be switching hands in terms of ownership again. So we'll have to see what the what happens next with this property, but for now it's on the road to preservation. Yeah, and um, I guess good news for advocates of, of historic um, homes in the village. And, and I know it's a contentious topic between um, that community as well as the property rights um, advocates as well. So stay tuned to us as that story develops. Martin's got the full thing up on our site right now. Skipping down one town, a hop, skip, and a jump to Kenilworth, um, where uh, they wanted to build a snowman. <laughs> That's right. So kind of piggybacking off of our snowfall story over in Glencoe, um, with that huge snowfall last weekend, the village manager actually reached out to a local Boy Scout uh, troop, I should say, Troop 13, and they shout out to them. They built a huge snowman in the uh, trademark Kenilworth Fountain, which is right by the train station over there. Um, just kind of a nice focal point in town. You know, if you're from Kenilworth, you're definitely going to drive past it, or I should say the North Shore anywhere on Green Bay Road. You can probably spot this ginormous snow uh, snowman there. So just kind of a nice community story. Um, you know, definitely a group of boys putting uh, their work in and building this huge guy um, just for a nice smile in town following that huge snowfall. So maybe we'll see another one after this week. <laughs> Do you think he survived these couple days of sun, Megan? Or I'm going to say he did. I think uh, this guy's pretty, pretty big. He's going to stay there for a while. Yes, he is. With the cold temperatures coming, I think he'll, he'll solidify a little bit too. So uh, pretty cool. You guys should check it out. Welcomes you right into uh, Kenilworth as you drive, uh, enter on Kenilworth Ave um, right there in the fountain. It's a pretty cool story. Um, so now we're going down, uh, we're going to skip over to the West one town to Northfield where we have an update on a, a big news story, um, from last year. Yeah. So this was a story that, um, we covered over at the Winnetka current last year, January, 2020. Um, we wanted to check in, you know, one year later, this is one of our biggest stories from last year. Um, unfortunately there was a man who allegedly recorded, staff and students supposedly in a staff bathroom. Um, he allegedly taped his cell phone in a trash can and recorded out of a small hole there. Uh, David Garcia Espinal, uh, he's originally from Highwood. He's still wanted on these charges. So we checked in with Northfield Police, also the school district over at Sunset Ridge School to kind of hear any updates. And unfortunately, um, the story is that there is no updates and this man is still wanted. So um, it's an important piece just to follow up on and kind of see where they were in the investigation one year later. And, um, you know, unfortunately he has not been found yet or located. So the arrest warrant is still active. 
Yeah, and this is a story that, um, as Megan mentioned, she's got um, some of the background and the full scope of, of you know, um, how he was a contract employee, um, et cetera, et cetera, and how he has a bit of a history in the community um, with similar um, crimes. So take a look at it, take a read. Megan's been working on it, like you said, uh, some investigative work since last year. So still, uh, he's still uh, out there um, and they haven't caught up with him. So take a look at that story as well. Um, and now we're going to skip back over the Edens uh, to Wilmette, um, where we're going to talk about kind of a, a combo Wilmette-Winneka story. And believe it or not, another new restaurant coming to town. Pretty exciting. Yeah, fun little two for one here. And um, last night at the Winneka Village Council meeting, we saw the first plans of a new restaurant that's going to be coming into downtown Winneka. And our connection to Wilmette with this story is that the ownership team behind Sophia Steak in downtown Wilmette is going to be the same um, group opening this restaurant in downtown Winneka. So the plans right now are to open sometime in about 16 weeks. So um, maybe late spring, we get this new restaurant. It's um, it was described at the council meeting last night as a French bistro um, serving sort of a, a casual French style was the way uh, they also described it. The desired location is 844 Spruce, Spruce Street, excuse me, in Winneka. Um, used to be the home of Savochi Glass Company, um, longtime home. And as I'd mentioned, the, the, the same team, they, they enjoyed some success so far and we'll met at Sophia. So they're bringing forward this new um, bistro to Winneka with the hopes that it enjoys um, similar success in, in, in Winneka. Um, Last night, they specifically received approval from the village council to extend their outdoor patio a little bit onto the public right away. So when they do open up, they'll have some more outdoor seating. Obviously, with the um, with what we've learned over the summer and the fall months about the importance of outdoor dining for restaurants, that's a rather significant um, approval for them because it'll allow them the opportunity to add some more tables to the outdoor terrace that they plan. So we've got some cool design re renderings of what the um, restaurant is shaping up to look like and, and what some of the plans are and the designs are. Um, so definitely head over to our website and take a chance, take the opportunity to, uh, to review those. If you're a little, little more interested in some of the, the finer details of, um, of what this new restaurant Pomeray uh, is going to look like when it opens later this year. Yeah, pretty exciting stuff and, and more exciting because it's it's another addition to a, um, a growing dining scene. Um, I think in the spring, we're going to have um, a handful, if not more, of new restaurants in Wilmette, Winnetka, Glencoe. Um, and uh, hopefully maybe we'll do, a, we'll do a roundup of all those coming to town, but it should be pretty exciting for all of you. So as that weather warms up, look out for it. Um, and that's up and down the shore. Make sure to check out all those stories and more. We got our um, websites broken up by town and by topic. So you can click on the Wilmette homepage or Winneka, Glencoe, Kenilworth, whichever one you choose. They should all be there. Very easy to find at the recordnorthshore.org. We move to our third segment, our uh, fan favorite featured feature. And uh, we got a cool, a really fun one about a, um, a North Shore native, a Loyola Academy graduate and reporter who did a really fun segment that uh, was perfect for Chicagoland. Yeah, so it's Mike Lowe. He's a WGN news reporter. We actually saw this um, clip that he presented um, a couple of weeks back, and then we found out he had a local connection to the North Shore. So we just kind of dove in, and our reporter, Ellen Henry, did a wonderful job featuring him. Um, so if you haven't seen it yet, he did a segment 
that he reported, I think it was six total different languages. And the last language was Chicago East. Um, so he was like giving a traffic weather report in this like nice Chicago accent. I'm not going to try to <laughs> mock him or do it because I'm just going to make a fool of myself. I probably already have a very thick Chicago accent anyway. Um, but Alan did a wonderful job um, tying his career back to where it kind of all began at Loyola Academy over in Wilmette, um, where he played football. Um, and then he went over to Northwestern where he kind of found his um, kind of his niche with journalism. He reported for the school radio station there. Um, and then his career kind of set fire there. And he, you know, traveled all over for his career and ended up actually back home in Chicago. And he talks a lot about why the Chicago area means a lot to him. Um, but overall, just a wonderful this community piece about someone who is originally from this area here and, you know, seeing this viral, viral clip, excuse me, is just hilarious and knowing that he's from this community even makes it better. What do you guys think about uh, his Chicago accent, though? The garage key? I mean, I thought it was awesome. I was cracking up the first time I saw that clip and I've probably watched it several times after because it's so entertaining. Very well done. Got to gotta give him a, a standing ovation on that one. Yeah, it was definitely fun. Um, and uh, it's, you know, I, I love reading the background about how um, Dan Ponce kind of gave him a, a challenge to see if he could um, do better than a reporter out on the East Coast did something similar. Um, and uh, he so so Mike spoke English. He did a report in English, Spanish, French, German, and Latin. And then his Chicagoese was was pretty spot on. Some of the best I've heard with the front rooms. What you think, Marty? You got some of them? Uh, you got a garage keys? Dub bears. <laughs> also, just like on top of it, him knowing all of these other languages. I don't think we talked enough about that in our story. That's also just impressive in itself that he knows all of these different languages. And then on top of that, the Chicago ease just like puts the cherry on top. That's pretty crazy. And his dad, I think was a Latin professor at Loyola Academy, if I'm not mistaken from remembering a little bit in the story. So pretty, uh, pretty cool local connection. And yeah, those being able to, uh, to grasp that many languages is incredibly impressive because I myself struggle uh, with one language. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's really cool, guys. Check out the full story in the background. There's also profiles, Mike's career, um, and we do have the clip as well. So you can tune into that. Um, it's a, it's our top story. So uh, on the website, those are the record, northshore.org, and check it out. And that is our, that is North Shore Newsweek. Um, thank you guys for listening so much. Um, before we let you go, we're going to just kind of do a, a quick uh, what's to come here. And, and first we have, a, we're going to have a couple updates, basically. And what do we got, Megan? So we have an update on the Northfield Bank that opened up right in front of Mariano's over on Willow Road. This was um, a site downtown that Northfield, you may say, <laughs> just the cor just around the corner from downtown Northfield. This is a site that they've been working on for quite some time. So we're going to check in with them um, and hear about the opening of Northview Bank and Trust. And then also we got an update on the Botanic Garden. They've as things are kind of opening up, we're going to check out what they have and offer. We know their Oak Ridge show was canceled, but we're going to see what else they're doing. Obviously, a very popular destination here on the in the, in the entire northern half of Illinois. Um, and then there's a, a huge lakefront project that we have an update on that you guys have heard about before. But Marty, what do we got an update on? 
Yeah, also at that Landmark Preservation Commission meeting um, earlier this week, the commission approved demolition permits for an ownership group that owns two properties on Sheridan Road, 203 Sheridan Road and 205 Sheridan Road, obviously a, uh, a signature part of the North Shore um, right there. And this ownership group also previously in late 2020 exchanged a land swap deal with the Winneka Park District to obtain um, another piece of land that's directly next to one of the properties. So they're going to have three consecutive land parcels that they're now trying to consolidate into one subdivision plat. And the we're still sorting through all the details, but the tentative plan right now is they are going to raise all those properties and construct what seems to be a new mega home along the lakefront uh, on Sheridan Road. So we'll have that and more. Um, but now if we're going to let you guys go, you guys go get yourselves a sandwich and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.